Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in to the first ever brand spanking new episode of what we're going to call the Musings on Madison show here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Well, I take it back. Not the Musings on Madison show. It's just going to be Musings on Madison. Freshly branded, brand new, brand new topic, brand new name. We got a great new, uh, you can't see it anyway. Don't worry about it. But we got a brand new space to talk about Blackhawks hockey. You probably see this popping up a lot in the middle of the week. Uh, talking about any of the Blackhawks things happening throughout the course of the season. And we might even make a special appearance or two whenever some breaking news warrants a further discussion. I'll be your host for most of those shows. It's Dave Melton here, assistant editor. And I don't even know what else I do at Second City Hockey, so we'll just call it assistant editor for now. And with me are two of the voices you've heard a lot on a lot of these shows in the past. First off is our social media manager and then uh, master of puns and Rockford Icehouse correspondent, Brandon Kane. That's me. That is you. And elsewhere, another familiar voice for those of you who've been listening to the show for a while. It is Shepard Price. Hello. My titles are my titles are a lot less fancy, but we'll just call me the analytics darling. The analytics starting. There you go. Yeah. We don't. I mean, we don't know if you can put the puck in the net, but you can possess it for a long time, right? That's exactly. What out. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to make five million. The guy that scores the goal is going to make twelve, but it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I see no difference between those two amounts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Five million, twelve million. What could possibly be different? So living off the rest of your life anyway. <laughs> I, I think. Could you live the rest of your life with uh, an annual salary? Well, not uh, just like a one time. If you got twelve million dollars right now, and you think you, well, yeah, you live yes. the rest of your life of twelve million dollars, right? I could live a really good life off of $12 million. Yeah, even $5 million. I think you'd be, even after taxes, you get to take home at least two of that. I mean, I think I'd be pretty set. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are. I know Brandon's close to me in age, but I mean, neither one of us is 10 years old anymore. I think I can make that work. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. Hey, maybe, right. maybe I'll win the lottery tomorrow and we'll, and then this podcast won't happen anymore because I'll be gone to somewhere warmer. But, you know. Well, it'll still, it'll still happen because me and Brandon want to blow the lottery. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll wave at you guys from the beach as you're recording. Exactly. So, um, I was trying to think of a good segue from waving from the beach with the Blackhawks, but that didn't work. Anyway. I uh, mean, it, feel, it feels like the Blackhawks are waving from the beach, watching their own season <laughs> pass them by. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, and and well, yeah, they haven't even been in any warmer climates recently, so I'm trying to think of a way to get into this, and it's not working. So, but yeah, the Blackhawks have been pretty awful lately. They they started off, it, it was so interesting. They started the season so well, so not well, I should say. Started off two five and two, everything was terrible. I think there was a lot of people in the fan base ready to fire Colleton, fire Stan Bowman, and trade everyone. And then they won seven of eleven, and things were great. And now they've lost six of seven. And I remember we did a podcast roughly a month ago when we, we laid out the schedule for what the Hawks had coming up, and it, it looked like a nightmare. And then they won four of those games in a row. They beat Toronto, Vegas, Nashville, and Buffalo. And then since then, the doom and gloom that we were all expecting has arrived. With the Black, they, Again, they've lost six of seven. The only win was a 3 nothing victory over the Dallas Stars, which was surprisingly – enjoyable to watch like maybe the most enjoyable game this entire season short of the uh the pants kicking of nashville a few weeks before that but um i i think the the thing i want to get into here with you two guys is you know the last three games they've lost to colorado twice they've lost to the st louis blues i don't think that's a surprise to anybody right brandon shepherd neither one of you guys are surprised by that right not at all no i so well, I'm not surprised that they lost those games. I'm surprised how they lost those that's, games. That's what I wanted to ask you because the fact that they're losing these games isn't a big deal, but it'd be different if they were losing like 4-2 to two with a late empty netter that put the game away or maybe, you know, you know a 3-3 three to three tie in the third and then they lost it 4-3. to three. They're getting destroyed. Like right. analytically on the scoreboard, I mean, the aggregate score of the last three games is 16-5. to five. I can't total the possession numbers in my head, but they don't look very good. Well, they might look good because of score effects, but everything just looks so bad. Like, I remember when we were referring to that podcast we did a while ago, we had that Hawks kind of binary system of uh, their games being a disaster or not a disaster. The last three games have all been disasters. And even if it's you're playing two of the best teams in the Western Conference, they shouldn't be disasters consistently every single night. So I guess what I want to ask you, Shepard, is, we know the Blackhawks probably aren't a good team, but are they really this bad? So let me start off by saying they didn't get destroyed analytically. Uh, they actually beat okay. Colorado both time, both games in terms of analytics and in terms of course, in terms of shot share. And they also beat St. Louis because St. Louis is one of the worst possession teams in the league okay. this season. Well, um, woo! Yay, analytics. Yeah, uh, this is when people who don't like analytics will tell you that it doesn't paint a whole picture, and this is one of the very few times they're correct uh, because the Blackhawks were giving up too many chances. Um, and then the system that the Blackhawks play, which relies entirely upon the goaltenders because, let's be honest, the Blackhawks have one of the five worst defenses, if not two worst defenses. They're better than New York, the New York Rangers, and that's about it. Um, you know what? Like, I, I, I'm not surprised by that, but hearing you say it out loud is just. They're, yeah, it's, they're, they're one of the worst uh, expected goals against teams in the league, um, especially at a per 60 rate. Uh, it's just, I do think they're this bad. And if the goaltenders are going to have some down games, which they're both liable to have, and that's not on them, they should be allowed to have bad games. Other teams allow their goaltenders to have bad games. Look at, Look at Vegas with Flurry. Look at other teams uh, that win with bad games from their goaltenders. The Blackhawks can't do that. Right. 
I mean, the Blackhawks may not be they may not be yeah. able to win with mediocre games from their goaltenders. No, if the Blackhawks are ever going to win games, it's going to be because their goaltenders are both on Vezina paces, like they were through until Colorado in November. Brandon, what about you? What what do you where do you think the Hawks are in terms of the how bad are they scale? I guess for lack of a better term. Well, when they played Colorado, you would expect that game to be a disaster, right? They're the Avalanche. <laughs> well, uh, that's why that's why we call him the master of puns. <laughs> good, good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's kind of to me a bit challenging to evaluate like what they are as a whole because you have these three recent games against top opponents and they didn't have Keith for at least one of those games or no, for two of the three. Cause he played on the 29th, two and a half of the three. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Um, so you, especially in that game, you're adjusting on the fly, like without him in the lineup. And um, if the defense isn't great as it is, and then you take him out of the equation mid game, that's, going to be a cluster um and one thing that i've noticed is they give up a goal in the first period all the time they're outscored eight to two in the first period in their last three games and in their last six of seven they've gone one five and one and they've allowed a first period goal in every single one of those games was it two seasons ago when they were giving up the first goal like it was like 15 games in a row where the Hawks gave up the first goal because it was the season Crawford was injured for most of, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And they, I think, they gave the I first think you're goal right on like, that. Like, it was like 10, 15. It was the craziest streak. And it, it looks like they're doing it again. Yeah. So there's like the old cliche of like start on time and whatever, which I normally roll my eyes at, but it's like with this team, like, Hey, it wouldn't be a bad idea if they actually like really drilled that into the players' heads to, get rolling right away uh, because they're already behind the eight ball with all these injuries that are piling up mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a, you know, good for their confidence that they're allowing the first goal all the time. So I, I wrote this article that uh, appeared at second city hockey today, today being Wednesday. And uh, the headline kind of sums up, what the whole idea of the article was is just one of the Blackhawks going to be something different. I feel like I've been watching the same team for almost three seasons now. Um, the 2016 to 17 season, I think is, or 17 to 18, whatever season it was when Crawford first got injured that season, you can kind of write off just because the goalie injury was unexpected. It completely changed the dynamic of the team and it kind of ruined the whole season. Fine. The season after that, they couldn't play defense and they were kind of a mediocre team. They had a brief, a couple of brief stretches where the offense kind of clicked, carried the team. But for the most part, you know, you knew that team wasn't going anywhere. We're, I think 27 games into this season now. And I think I'm watching the exact same movie I watched last season. And it just, I don't understand what this team is even trying to do anymore because it looks like they're just spinning and they're just running in place doing the exact same thing and expecting a different result, which I believe goes down as the definition of insanity. So Shepard, Brandon, either one of you guys want to take this. I mean, is there any reason to expect anything different out of this team over the final four months of the season? I'll take this one first. Uh, It depends on what happens at the trade deadline. In all honesty, there's a lot of pieces 
there's a lot of pieces that should and could go out at the, at the, at the trade deadline and even before then. Um, you're not going to sell high on Eric Gustafson, but is the question now that can you just sell him? Um, because anybody else, Dennis Gilbert, Adam Boquist, better on that blue line right now. Um, get them experience at the NHL level. Uh, we we will we will continue to have as we approach February debates about the core. I think uh, is a time to start really going full out on the rebuild. Um, and it, if so, is is Stan Bowman the, the GM you want doing that? Uh, I'm about to go on a tangent that will come back to the Blackhawks. Uh, okay. Well, hey, hey, don't don't worry. If you, if you get too far away, we'll try and reel you back in. But I mean, with the you, way things are going, you've got plenty of slack. Yeah. If if you've read my Twitter account uh, at Shepherd Price, you should read it. Uh, over the yeah, last maybe. few months. Over the I'm last just kidding. Months, Follow Shepherd. He's great. Yeah. If you uh, you've noticed that I've tweeted a lot about Rocky Thompson, who's the current head coach of the Chicago Wolves. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. He is currently uh, – New Jersey just fired their coach, John Hines. Um, apparently, he's rumored to be one of the candidates they're looking at. I believe he's the perfect head coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe now is the perfect time to bring him in. Uh, he's got experience with the young defensive core. The most important two players on the Wolves team that went to the Calder Cup final last season were Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud, both of whom were AHL rookies. Uh, if that sounds like something the Blackhawks have going for them right now with Adam Boquist and Nick Bowden and Ian Mitchell will come in, in probably next year, uh, that's for a reason. Um, he's got experience with, uh, play, uh, with young forwards. He's got experience with veterans. Uh, and he's had success at every level he's coached at, and he's been an NHL coach on a rebuilding team because he had the young Edmonton Oilers pre-Connor McDavid. Uh, he was an assistant coach on that uh, staff when they had Darnell Nurse and Leanne Dreisaitl, but not McDavid. Um, I think he's literally perfect. And if he gets poached by the New Jersey Devils, I think that's something that the Blackhawks will regret. And I think if you're going to make a coaching change, do it soon. And I, we, we've talked a lot about coaching changes about a month ago on this podcast. And I think we kind of, you know, when the Hawks won 7 of 11, it kind of put everything on the back burner. I think I remember joking about Colleton not making it to Thanksgiving. Well, he, he survived that. But, you know, with three straight disasters of games in a row, if you keep trending in this direction, like, at, at some point it feels like something significant needs to shift in order to make that happen. And it seems like even though he was only hired a year ago, it seems like firing the head coach is – maybe the easiest way to spark some sort of change within the organization. Um, I, and I guess since uh, Shepard brought the topic up, Brandon, I guess we'll go it over to you. I mean, I, I, I think we're all assuming Jeremy Carlton's seat is warming up in a big way, but I, I guess how, how warm do you sense it is right now? Do you think it's a fireable situation right now? Uh, maybe not right now, but back when – Things were a little bit rough at the start of the season, probably. Um, the NHL, it always falls on the head coach, and GMs are pretty much lifers and can just hang around. I mean, look at Nashville. <laughs> there you uh, go. So, you know, just with that trend of seeing NHL coaches just being fired at will, then that's 
it just pleads that he would be the one who would be fired over Bowman. And I can't recall a situation where it was like midseason and the GM and the coach were both gone. That's not to say that it couldn't happen. Right, right. Um, and I don't think that they would fire him without making changes to his coaching staff first. Right. And that's and, yeah. That's with both of his assistants, not just one of them. Well, well, one of them might be in significant trouble or already is in significant trouble and might be losing his job, but we're going to come back to that later. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the one who hasn't been doing his job. Oh, which oh you're talking about Thomas Mattel, the yeah. power play coach, the, yeah. who was led one of one of what should be one of the best power plays in the league, uh, considering the amount of shooting talent and passing talent this team has uh, to the dumpster. Are, are they are they still bottom five? Because it feels like it. God, we've been saying it for a decade that the power play sucks and needs to be fixed, and it's just <laughs> it was okay when they were winning, and now it's just that. Yeah, uh, it's. It was in the upper twenties. I'm 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 looking it up right now. I'd like to thank Hockey Reference for being the best website of all time. The Blackhawks power play is currently ranked 27th at 13.41 percent. So that is bottom five. Bottom five. Yeah. So the penalty kill is uh, hanging tight in the top 20 at 19 with 79.76 percent. But yes, the power play is terrible again, and. It had one month where it was really good last season, and then it kind of faded down the stretch, which I don't think I, – I think everyone remembers that stretch. I think it was in, like, February-ish when the power play went, like, 40% for a month. And everyone – and I, I don't think enough people realize that the power play went right back to being garbage in March and the week of April that the Hawks played last season. But so, except you, for one you, brief month when Barry Smith showed up, that power play has been garbage under Colleton. So bring back – I know this is going to be sound like a hot take, but bring back Barry Smith. You know what? I mean, out a power play. It, it's uh, – Barry Smith might be the head coach if they fire Colleton because they're going to need somebody to step in. And with all the Mark Crawford stuff swirling around him, uh, I don't see him getting promoted. So, I mean, who else when, do they have? Unless when, they, can I mean, they, when, when can they legally hire Barry and also the head coach of this team? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, love to, I'd, I'd love to think about that. Um, I'm yeah. just like picturing that visual of Barry Smith as like the head coach, and it's very strange to me. Yeah. Oh, well, everything about the season has been strange so far. Oh, undoubtedly. Also, to, to go back to a point, uh, you wanted to bring up um, when was the last time that a head coach and GM were both fired at mid-season? Yeah. Last season, last season, the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, see, I always and, forget about the Flyers because they're always irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, they're good now, though. I I, just, I know. I happened to I was seeing all the Broad Street Hockey p- Twitter people mentioning that you know the Flyers were flying up in the standings. No pun intended, Brandon. Uh, yeah. And I, well, except for Nolan Patrick, I don't know what, what happened <laughs> to that kid. Injuries. Anyway, but they're like they were third place in their division. I had no idea that they were that good all of a sudden. Maybe they have a goalie. Um, uh, they they have they have a goalie. Well, you know, hey, well, let's go long-term with them because I feel like they've had spurts where they thought they've had a goalie, and Carter Hart's good, and he looks looks to be the guy, but, you know, yeah. let's, 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 see, let's, let's see the long-term. Let's see, let's, see how that like, let's see what they look like in a few years. Exactly. Um, but getting back to the Blackhawks, I wanted to – you know, we talked a lot about the coaches and everything else and the everything else off the ice. I want to quickly drop down to ice level and discuss the actual players on the team really quick because I don't know what 
don't know if there's any strong observations or things you guys have noticed about this team over the last two or three weeks or so, but a lot of the narratives that I think a lot of the concerns we had about this team have been realized. Um, well, first off, Patrick Kane's the only one that can score uh, just points and goals in general. Um, Alex DeBrinkett's in, a, in the biggest slump of his young career. Jonathan Taves is not is making the last season look like an anomaly. Um, Dylan Strom's been injured. Um, it just they just don't everything on offense. It feels like it takes so much effort for them to score a goal. Um, do you do you guys have any rhyme or reason or explanation for the struggles on the offensive side of the rink for them? Because that was supposed to be one thing that they may not be uh, may not be so bad at power play exempted from this discussion temporarily. Yeah, I don't. I feel like you hit all the points and there was a stretch where it was like line combination oh, yeah. talk and whatnot. That was good and times. That was, yeah. So that was a thing that happened. And I think when we look back on the season, we'll look at that and be like, well, now that looks even worse now than it did at the time. Um, and I think the injuries have played somewhat of a part of it yeah. as far as the forwards, but at the same time, like you said, like they have the offensive potential. They just need to get their shit in gear. Um, and they have like new faces, I guess, like integrated in the lineup. You have Doc, you have Nylander, you have Kubelik, Carpenter. But for the most part, like those have been bright spots in certain stretches. So it's, you know, if these new guys are performing well, then maybe the core veterans should, or maybe not veterans, but the people that you would assume to be this new core stepping up as well. So to bring it in strong. Yeah. It's, it seems like, you know, I don't have a problem with too many of the young guys, like Alex Nylander's kind of taken a step back from the start of the season, but you know, he's only 21. So, you know, if he has some slumps, I can live without Alex to bring it's, slumping for the first time in his career and hopefully he can just shoot his way out of it. Um, Patrick Kane seems like he's, you know, he, he just had his 15 game point streak snapped, which you hear 15 game point streak and you think, well, he must be playing well, but I feel like towards the end of that streak, he was just racking up points in garbage time. Am I, am I wrong on that Shepard? Nope. Okay. Uh, It it seemed like every point he scored was not important. He was hitting eighth inning home runs in a ten to two game. And right. he admitted that trailing like, or winning, pick your put well, more trailing yeah, than the Hawks. Saying that like those scoring chances were like dwindling and he was like, it was just gonna happen anyways. Yeah, exactly. You you look at his MVP season back in sixteen seventeen and when he was just out there outscoring teams, and that's not what he was doing that fifteen point game point streak. He was just putting up like one a game. Yeah. Yeah, it just it, it, I don't know. The the entire it's, it seems like with this team, even, even like from the offensive perspective, it seems like everything has to be assembled so delicately, so perfectly for either everything clicks or nothing clicks. Right. And, and, and I just – it shouldn't be that way. Like, like that's, that's not how you win in professional sports. You can't – because there's too many variables. Things aren't always going to work out for you. Like the game against Dallas – Dallas was playing its third game in four nights. They played the Hawks on Saturday, and they had another game between that while the Hawks – or maybe it was Sunday, but the, 
Dallas had a game. They had to play another game, and then they had to fly to Chicago and play. The Hawks played Dallas, came home, rested, and then they had Dallas, uh, you know, a kind of are already with an advantage against the Stars. Everybody was healthy for the I, – I think Strom might have missed that game, maybe Kajula. So, they, they I mean, those are – Strom's a pretty big piece, but they, the, the blue line was all healthy because Keith and Murphy played in that game. Everything was perfectly assembled for the Blackhawks to win a game, and they did. And in every other situation this season, it hasn't been assembled perfectly, and they've lost, and a lot of the times have lost badly. And that just feels so – I, I just – I don't see how this gets fixed. It's just like with – I don't see how you get this fixed within a season. If you, even if you fire the coach and the GM or whatever, I don't see how this gets fixed this season. And it's eventually whatever they're trying to do, it seems like they're going to run out of time because – the guys like Taves and Kane are going to regress at some point, aren't they? Like, I, I just I, – I guess I'm trying to to take this season in a bigger picture focus, and I don't like the way the big picture looks. Shepard, right. Brandon, either one of you guys – it sounds like, Shepard, you might have a reaction to that. That's So that's that's why I sort of want to continue again as the season progresses. If they're out of, if they're out of the playoff picture at deadline, I, again, I think – at least one member of the core. So I, one member of the core who can be moved. So the three guys, Taze, Kane, Keith, should be moved. At least one. Um, if if they're out of the playoff picture altogether. There. Yeah. Because if if they're gonna rebuild, you need to commit to that rebuild. And, I, and again, before they totally regress, it might be too late for Taves. But before they totally regress, Kane and Keith are still perfectly useful players. You, Toronto could definitely use a, a player of Duncan Keith's caliber on their first pairing. Yeah. Um, could, could there's, they a lot of, there's a lot of teams out there who will miss yeah. that on Taylor Hall who could easily go for Patrick Kane. Right, yeah. Yeah, I hate how much I'm actually listening to this idea now. Because that, that, that seems like that's where it's at. Like, I've, I've, been, the, I've been advocating, like, as soon as they, the Hawks started regressing as a team, and I've always been adamant about, you know, not tanking. Don't do this because, you know, ideally Taves and Kane are going to be around when all these young defensemen get here and the team's good again in the next season or two. I'm starting to very much be concerned that that's not going to happen. So, I don't – last time we got all doom and gloom, the Hawks won and won four in a row. So, maybe that's what will happen this time. I think um, – any other thoughts on the Blackhawks, gentlemen? Because I'm uh, – I'm pretty depressed now, so I don't think I want to say anything <laughs> I, else. I have one. I have one line that I think could spark the Blackhawks, and I think it might be a bold take. But the nuclear option is no longer Taves, Kane, Sod. It is Sod, Strom, and DeBrincat. And I think if if DeBrincat's ever going to be given the chance to shoot his way out of this, that's the line to do it on because neither Strom nor Sod is as is as much a finisher as DeBrincat is. And I think having Sod, who does basically everything, but score. Uh, Strom, who's having a really solid two-way game this season and is a really good passer, and then to bring Cat as that goal, as their, that line's goal scorer. If anything's going to break out, all three of the Blackhawks at this at this moment, the Blackhawks' three most important forwards out of their collective funk, uh, that line might do it. I I would absolutely. You know what? They've tried everything else. Might as well try that. Brandon, any last thoughts on the Blackhawks? Nope. Nope. All right. Well said. We're going to take a quick break, and then Brandon Kane's going to let us know what's been going on with the next wave of Blackhawks, we hope, being the Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, we'll talk about them right on the other side of this quick timeout.
This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as we promised before the break, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Rockford Ice Hogs, who, unlike their parent club, have had a reversal of fortunes of late. And I think uh, the biggest surprise for me has been that Kevin Lankinen has been the guy in that, not Colin Delia, who seemed like he was kind of anointed the next goalie in the uh, Blackhawks organization. But uh, he seems like he might have taken a step back this season. And Kevin Lankinen has been playing really well, and the team's been playing better of late. And I could keep telling you about it, but there's not really a great idea because Brandon Kane has been there a lot and been watching it himself and been talking to a lot of the players and coaches. So I'm going to let him update you on what's been going on with the Rockford Icehawks. Yeah, so the Ice Hogs on Tuesday night won their third straight game with a 4-2 win over Manitoba. It was, as expected between those teams, a pretty chippy affair. Uh, Delia made his first start since November 15th and had a lot of action with 37 saves. Uh, there was a extended penalty kill in the second period, and then there was one in the third period as well. Uh, Delia was on his game. There was one sequence where he was off to the right post and had to make a cross crease save. Uh, so that was nice to see that the mobility is there. Um, and he admitted after the game that a little bit rusty at the start. Um, and that's to be expected when you don't start for two weeks and you're on the bench or uh, you're in the press box watching. So, right. And I think the, the surprising thing of late is Yoni, Tulala is a defensive defenseman and he's scored goals in back-to-back games. And we asked him, we're like, are you a goal scorer now? And he was like, Oh, I don't know, but nice score goals. Um, Just kind of jokingly. And Tim (laughs) Soderlund has kind of finagled his way into the lineup a little bit. And I don't think I've seen a prospect love playing hockey more than I've seen from him. The kid just flies around the ice and very like competitive and if you were to you know compare him to someone on the Blackhawks just based on size it's probably to um just being like a little bit feisty and sometimes um and then Brandon Hagel has been the rookie MVP by far he's leading the team in points he is seemingly everywhere on the ice What about the goaltending situation? Like I, I mentioned it at the beginning, because I've been 
reading and hearing about it for a lot of from your tweets and articles at our site that uh, Kevin Lankinen's kind of the guy now. Yeah, Kevin is definitely the guy. Um, <clears throat> he said he's just with each start, he's just grown more confident in the net and kind of equates it to, you know, in baseball, when you are a hitter and you see the ball coming at you and it just seems like it's a beach ball. It's kind of the same thing for him uh, when he sees the puck. It's just so big and it's like just easier for, easier for him to stop than it was in the past. And somewhat credits, you know, his performance at Worlds to laying the foundation for this season and getting him going. But um, all three of the goalies, uh, including Matt Tompkins, have said that, you know, carrying three goaltenders is normal but it works at the AHL level because if you have drills in both ends, then the goaltender is clearly working with the forwards or the defenseman while he's in net. But then that third guy can work with Pete Aubrey, the uh, goaltending development coach and work on things that a guy normally wouldn't, you know, get that extra time with Aubrey to work on things if they only had two of them. Um, and, you know, all these other guys are great, but let's get to the really important stuff here. Tell us about Adam Boquist. What's, what's going on? What's he doing? When's, when's he going to be back in Chicago? Like, just, just, just talk about Adam Boquist because I need reasons to be optimistic right now, as you may have realized after listening to the first part of this podcast. Yeah, so Boquist is in a bit of a unique spot with World Juniors coming up. Um, traditionally, NHL and AHL players don't go to the – preliminary camps they may be named on the rosters or the countries may save them a spot hoping that the nhl team will agree to loan them for the tournament Um, so it's a pretty fluid situation from what i was told by rockford head coach Derek king and assistant Anders Sorensen. of there's been talks about it they haven't come to a decision yet um they they want to know what the decision is so they can tell Boquist what it is um, so he can know, hey, I only have X amount of games here before I go sort of deal. Um, and it's a thing where they don't think it's going to hurt his development because it's only five games either way if he's in the NHL or the AHL that he would miss. You know? So they don't think it's going to be a – it would be a big deal if he went. Um, and it's – the same narrative that was used with Yoki Haru last season of he's 19. He's this is the only time he's going to be eligible to play in this tournament again. So just give him that shot and see where it goes. I um, just don't want to hear Boquist and Yoki Haru in the same sentence ever again. <laughs> just, just, no. just please, please save me from that. Thank you. Also uh, the, the, the factors playing in the favor of him going to play is that he'd be Sweden's number one, ice time guy right and they, that he, he'd be playing in front of a home crowd well the the tournament's in czech republic but yeah oh. he'd be it'd be him in rasmus uh sedan sedan um maple Leafs prospect they'd be the top pairing sandian yes that's it i was like i know what it is but um and his he's just been more active offensively since he's been sent down just more carrying the puck out of the zone on his stick and setting up players. And that was 
evident in his second and third game back when he racked up five assists through both those games. Um, points haven't come after that, but the chances have been there and it might've been, you know, he missed the net by a few feet or, you know, one of his teammates that he set up did the same thing. So the chances are there, the points will come eventually, uh, but they're trying to focus on his defensive game, of course. And that's, that's improving. He's been more aggressive and more quick with his decisions as to, Oh, I should close the gap on this or maybe hold back on it. So that's been nice to see, even with, you know, the difference from before he was called up to what I saw on Tuesday night, that was pretty evident. Yeah, I think the thing I'm holding on to with Boquist is uh, I think the one of the biggest comps for him coming out of the draft because of his prototype and his nationality was Eric Carlson. And I remember after Boquist got drafted, I looked into Carlson's career. Carlson, I don't remember if he played a year in juniors or not. But anyway, he, he when he came to the NHL, he broke camp. I, I don't know if he broke camp with the team, but he made his NHL debut. He played a chunk of games. He went back down to the AHL for a while, and then he came back to the NHL and has never been back to the minor sense. So, like, Boquist, you know, I I think think all three of us would rather he be in Chicago right now and feel like he probably belongs to be in Chicago right now. I don't necessarily think he's, like, going to fall behind schedule with he's down in Rockford. It just feels like he'd be better served to be in Chicago, but – it's at least I, – I, I have no reason to be concerned about Adam Boquist yet. So that, that's one nice thing I can say about this is uh, Adam Boquist, I don't see him falling behind schedule or anything of that nature yet. So, so, that, so there's that, guys. We, we have something encouraging. Um, Brandon, any other Rockford thoughts or tidbits to mention? Um, I don't think so. Just like with – I think people that don't watch Rockford games are, you know, point watching for Boquist and you should keep in mind that the AHL game is not as clean as the NHL game. And I think so we should say, we should say this several times. The AHL game is such a different game than the NHL game that it's, it's like, it's almost two, I wouldn't say two different sports, but it's just, it's just two totally different hockey games. And so Adam Boquist might be, might be more a better producer at the NHL level than he would be the AHL level in terms of points. Is that, is that that's fair to say? Yeah. And then a guy like Lucas Carlson's probably going to do better point production wise in the AHL, just because he's more of a uh, guy who's willing to get into battles more and strip the puck away from guys against the boards. Whereas Boquist kind of hangs back a little bit, which is fine. That's what you want out of an offensive minded defenseman to set up plays. So. Well, and then you, want the, you want the, that defenseman to do that board battle winning and starting the puck at the blue line and the defensive end. Well, I think that'll wrap up all the Rockford ice hogs information for this podcast. And we want to transition back to the NHL now. And I don't know about your guys' timelines today, but after the article, debuted from Mark Lazarus today on The Athletic with the the lengthy conversation that he had with Robin Leonard regarding um, this all the Mark Crawford drama that's been going on, which traces back to Bill Peters and, and Akeem Aliou. And I think at this point in the story, we don't really need to recap 
everything that's happened. I think the the crux of the issue was just of there. There's been a lot of uh, verbal and sometimes even physical abuse by hockey coaches at all levels of the game. It's been, it's been going on for decades. And even like some of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff that's come out about Mike Babcock happened within the last year or two. So there, there's a, just a very, and then we all, you also have to address that Bill Peters made some very race, uh, racially charged or used racial slurs referring to Akeem Aliu earlier in his career. And um, I, I think there's been some other instances that have come up that I can't, don't recall off the top of my head right now. So ba- the, the whole situation is that there's, within hockey culture, there's a very abusive relationship between some coaches and players, and it's kind of been swept under the rug. It kind of doesn't seem like it's been addressed really, and it seems like it's starting to come out a little bit. And there was a big article in The Athletic that I referenced earlier where Robin Leonard was arguing about, I encourage you to, to go and read the entire thing yourself because if I try and summarize it up here in a few sentences, I'm going to gloss over a lot of nuance, and I think there's a lot of good nuance in there. Basically, Leonard was arguing about sec- the second chances that these guys deserve, and we were talking about this before we started recording, and even like between the breaks here, we talked about it a little bit, so I want to dive into this now because it's been a hot topic in all uh, corners of the hockey world. And uh, I'm going to go to Shepard first since uh, Brandon helped us there with the Rockford update, um, and I know Shepard had some thoughts on this as well. So Shepard, just what's kind of your, your view or your reaction, your, just your thoughts to everything that's been going on uh, since this Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard article came out today. I actually wanted to listen to what you, you two had to, had to say about this uh, to sort of gauge your opinions before I went on a rant uh-huh. well, again. Uh, all um, right, well, so I'm, I'm more than willing to hear Brandon's voice on this matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Br- Brandon, do you want to go first then? or I'll let you go first, Dave. Okay. No, thanks. I get the point about second chances. I tried – whenever someone gets into – issues of any kind in the sports world like I I try to follow the optimistic side of the fence and I hope that whatever they did wrong they they come to terms with it make amends for it and like and are able to you know resume their careers without having any more missteps and you know kind of free of that whatever their wrongs were and and I I believe like I don't want to say people deserve a second chance because that's not necessarily how it works. I think people have to earn the second chance. And I think that's the issue that a lot of people are taking with what Robin Leonard is saying. Leonard's saying he got a second chance because he was referring to, he had all these mental health issues and life in general that just, just and, addiction. That, and addiction issues. And, and I don't want to say that he didn't hurt people with them because, you know, he, he, there's probably a lot of family and friends that were hurt by, the, the circumstance or symptoms of Leonard's issues. But Bill Peters like was hurting a NHL prospect that he was supposed to be like guiding, you know, Mike right. Babcock was hurting was abusive towards Mitch Marner. Who's uh, like, was like, was a teenager at the time, I think when that all happened. So it's, it's a different, I think it's a different scenario that, you know, Leonard's appealing for a second chance because he says he got a second chance and he did, but I also think Leonard, you know, his, his – I don't even think they're crimes. He just – he had he had um, mental health issues and he re- recognized them and took care – well, I guess that's a lesson here. He recognized he had issues. He took took steps to fix them, and, and now it seems like he's doing better so he's able to get the – he earned that second chance. Bill Peters, I to my knowledge, has never apologized. Michael well, Babcock – 
Go ahead. He apologized to the white front office. He never apologized to Akeem Alou. Yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't fully make amends for what he did wrong. And, and Bill Peters didn't. My, uh, Mike Babcock did it. And I think some of the, the Sutter family, I believe, was getting involved in some of these stories too. I mean, we've joked – Brandon and I know we've talked about the, the story with Brian Sutter and Tyler Arneson in like 2002. We're at Tootsie's in Nashville. And I forget exactly how the story goes. I'm going to look it up while one of you guys was talking. But the two of them got into a fist fight. And basically Sutter just wanted to – test the aggression of what just wanted to see Arneson get mad about something. And he decided to start a fight with him to prove that, which just seems like such a, you know, now with the benefit of hindsight, like it seems like such a backwards way to motivate somebody. I just, I, I don't understand how that was supposed to work. So I think my whole, my whole thing is with uh, the, my reaction to Leonard's thing is I think people like, I think second chances are, are a valid thing. And I think people, can get them, but I think they have to be earned. And I think the issue here that a lot of people have with what Leonard is saying is that you don't just get second chances. You have to earn them. And the uh, people like Bill Peters and Mike Babcock haven't done anything to earn them. And that's, yeah, I think that's the main issue that we're discussing here. And Shepard, what's, uh, I guess, Brandon, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? So one thing, what, what defines what hockey culture is? I think that Cause like I have, I have a hard time even like conceptualizing what that means like to me and to the general public, like, because my experience with covering hockey is going to be vastly different than someone else's. So that's just a different scope that you're looking into the issue right at the start. I, I think for, for the, the, the hockey culture, I think the idea is just the atmosphere of the locker room for, for, for the okay. purposes of what we're discussing now. And it, it's like, it's like the culture among the players and the coaches in the front office. Like I think the media is kind of a, an outside participant of that. They're not, they're not actively involved in the culture of the locker room. Okay. All right. So that's clear. Um, I feel like the <clears throat> rehabilitation and education is important, but it should be coupled with consequence as well. Um, yeah. So say, I don't know, you have like a four year old kid, and he steals something from a store, like a piece of gum or whatever. The parents just not going to be like, Oh, like that was bad. And just like, give the gum back to the store. Right. right. You're going to sit down with the kid and you're going to say, this is wrong. This is why we don't do this. And then like, normally in that situation, there would be an apology. Um, so that's kind of like the example that I have come up with on this is there needs to be, this is why this is not acceptable. And here are the steps to not do that anymore and why. And I feel like when you have the steps to, as to why it was bad and like why it's something that shouldn't be done in the future, then that sets an example not only for the person who did those wrong actions, but also sets an example for those that are going to come up after that person into that role or a role similar to it. So then you set a precedence for this is what is acceptable behavior for doing X, Y, and Z or interacting with players or 
management or what have you. Um, and I, there's another aspect to this of like the player combine interviews. I'm pretty sure those are very like, yeah, I've heard a lot rough. of bad things about them from the NFL, the NFL and the NBA. So I'm sure the NHL is sort of similar. Yeah. Somebody asked, I think it was, was it Cedric or some NFL player? Cedric Benz is the name that comes to mind, but I don't think that's who it was. Some player got asked if their mother was a prostitute. I yeah. yeah. That, these questions get asked to sort of throw the player off their game. And that's, it's, it's not appropriate. Yeah. yeah. But Cause like I, what I think is there's, I just kind of think of like, is that something that would happen in like a quote, normal, like business interview? Well, or like a normal business environment? No. So right. like, why no. is it acceptable? All right. All right. But uh, like, that, that's one area where I, like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm at, like, I'm excusing the asking a player if his mother's a prostitute. You can't do that. That's, mm. that should not be allowed, but you cannot also, you cannot compare professional sports jobs to a quote normal job because there's, they're so wildly different from each other that it's just it's not a fair comparison. Why why, you know? why are they wildly different? Though? Because in they're the prof- still- in the professional sports world, from the day you walk in, they're trying to replace you. They're trying to find somebody that is younger, better, and cheaper than you. That's not the case in a quote normal job. It's it's a, it's an entirely different world, and I, I don't I don't think it's fair to make the comparison just because you know. Your office job is not the same as what an, uh, professional athletes have to deal with. That it doesn't mean that some of the, you know, some of the overarching, uh, some of the overarching principles can't apply. But there, there's so much difference there. Like the Venn diagram between those two does not overlap very much at all. Okay, I'm just saying like these these organizations employ people and do interviews, you know, with like someone who's applying to be like the business rep of sales or, or whatever, what right. have you. So like, how can a, how can an interview process be so wildly different within the same organization for two different people and like the code of conduct in that? Right. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, diverting a little bit off this subject, but that's, that was more of my thought on it. Yeah. There's, it's, it's, it's interesting again. And like, I I know I said the thing earlier about, you know, the, the, the Venn diagram, not overlapping and whatnot, but there's still like, there still should be some, like, I guess like code of conduct within the organization that should still be able, it may not work in every single situation, but maybe it could help at least establish some uh some baseline like you said brandon for this is bad so we're not going to do this yeah and i would hope that that's not just like one team or one franchise that that's across the board throughout the league of this is what we deem to be acceptable practices and not yeah well i guess i guess that it comes down to is who who makes that decision whether is it the team president is it the general manager is it the owner and out of those, whoever's making those decisions is what do they really care about? Because right. I think I think the majority of them, all they really care about is winning and making money. And I think um, whether or not their culture is good is kind of takes a backseat to that, which is probably part of the problem to begin with. Um, yep. So now, now you've heard from me, you've heard from Brandon. So Shepard, all you. 
talking about culture, uh, if, if we don't take efforts, take steps uh, as a sort of me, as the media and as the NHL, if they don't make steps to sort of increase diversity in their culture, then that's not gonna, the sport isn't gonna survive as a white sport. Um, that's sort of what I wanted to go off of too, is, is talking about education rehabilitation. That only goes so far. There's a massive difference between a four-year-old stealing something when they don't know that that's wrong versus a 40-year-old man who's been raised not to be violent and not to be racist, being violent or being racist, uh, and then not apologizing for being violent or being racist. Well, um, I mean, just how do you know he wasn't raised to be those things? Okay, I mean, because that, that could be the problem. He but, may have been raised that way. But I'm sure in Canada they have the same cultural norms because both I believe both Mark Crawford and Bill Peters are well, Bill Peters is American, right? So, but I, I cultural, cultural norms would suggest that being violent and being racist are not acceptable things. Uh, especially for middle-aged men who should be guiding young, young men. Uh, that those things are not accept, acceptable. And, those, and the, they're, they're both Canadian. What I'm, what, what I'm concerned about is that Mark, like, there were allegations against Mark Crawford in November of last year. Um, from Brent Sokol, and he still got hired to the Blackhawks, and I, I don't like what that says about the organization. Yeah, that that's very. I I wasn't aware of the Brent Sokol stuff from November. I think what yeah, that shows is there's a poor vetting process. Like if right. you were hiring oh, yeah. a coach, you that's should go through and look and say, "Hey, he was a coach of this player that we had within the organization. Let's give them a call and see what they're." you know, experience was with the coach. Like, yeah. that, that doesn't seem like it's that hard. <laughs> no. And it, 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 again, it's a bad thing that they didn't do their due diligence. Yeah, and, and maybe like, they did and they just ignored it. Like, we don't know. Yeah. And it's not like they have a hard time reaching Brent Sopel. I'm, I'm sure they've still got his phone number somewhere. Yeah. A guy well, who played in the organization, you couldn't just ask him? Where did the Sopel thing come from? Was that, like, on another show or is it on radio? Like, I, I that, totally that was, missed that. Uh, I believe it was in print media. Okay. I totally, I totally missed that part of the story. It's online. Yeah. It was from November 2018 when Crawford was like a part of the Ottawa Senators organization. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's the other thing about so many of these, or I shouldn't say, well, some of these accusations is like, they're not that old. Like, you know, the Mitch Marner thing happened a couple years ago. The, the allegations against Mark Crawford were, you know, within the last couple of years, like this is not like the distant past, you know, right. like, like these are things that I, I know the, all of the sports worlds can be, you can get put into a bubble and you're kind of shielded from society. But like the fact that that kind of things was still going on in 2016, 2017 is like, I can't believe, well, I can believe it, but it's still surprising to hear that it was going on so recently like that's just especially with pro athletes like i can't believe that there like there's if this was a thing of i mean i could get down in the, in the juniors where these players are teenagers but if some guy in the nhl was kicking players in the back i can't believe one of the players didn't turn around and punch him out like these guys are you know yeah, they have their are... own egos and million they're millionaires some of them like how i can't believe some of them they've learned to fight too yeah yeah i'm, I'm surprised i was 
I was surprised that that never led to more confrontation. And maybe it did, and that got swept under the rug too. But, I mean, if I just – I have this, like, you know, if a thought of a, an NHL coach kicking a hockey player in the back on the bench during a game, like, I don't know how that doesn't end in a fight. Especially during the heat of a, comp, of a you know, a hockey game. I don't know. That's, that's something I couldn't wrap my head around. Um, the, the, other, the other thing about this situation, and I feel like you can take – what I'm about to say and apply this to, oh, every single problem that occurs both in and out of sports. Um, so Bill Peters got fired. Mike Babcock was fired before all this, but may not get another job afterwards. The concern I have is that, you know, Bill Peters will, will lose his job. Mark Crawford might lose his job. Mike Babcock yeah. will get another job. And then we'll pretend, and then this will, the story will slowly go away and we'll pretend like everything's fixed. But it's, it's like, this seems like this is like one of the issues I have just w- the way things tend to work these days is that a problem comes out, somebody has made the face of that problem, the faces of those problems gets, you know, gets some sort of, uh, has to face some consequences, and then we act like the problem's going away. Like, right. there aren't other people doing this. Like, there aren't other players being abused. There are other, aren't other players who are minorities getting racially profiled by their coaches. Like, that's the, the thing about this that I, I, I wish and hope that something good comes of it, but it feels like we're already headed down the same path of uh, we're going to make these two or three guys pay the consequences, and then we're going to forget about it. Do you, right. do you guys and see the same thing happening? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm worried that that's not happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm already resigned to that fate. The NHL needs to, again, the, the NHL needs to make steps towards diversifying the sport if they're going to survive into the, for the next hundred years. And I, I'm worried that those steps aren't going to get taken. Yeah. And, that, and that's another interesting conversation that is, is beyond the scope of this podcast. And probably I, I don't even, wouldn't even know where to begin with that topic, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how like there's been a lot of intersections of sports and society in pretty much every sport the last few years, hockey seemed kind of immune to that. You know, like none of the, you know, you had the kneeling, the Colin Kaepernick situation with the NFL, the NBA's had, you know, pick your favorite one, you know, the thing with Hong Kong, they had a bunch of the players doing um, their own protest during the game. I mean, all these intersections of sports and culture or sports and society have happened in the last four to five years. Hockey seems like it's been largely immune to it until now. I just, it's very, it seems like it's it, it always comes around, you know. Yeah. I, I don't. I felt like I was going somewhere with that, and then complete, the train just completely stopped. <laughs> and yeah, I You're uh, like the Blackhawks power play. <laughs> Way to bring it back home, Brad. Nice, nice work. Um, so we guys, we can slowly, awkwardly transition back to Blackhawks hockey real quick. Um, as we were talking about earlier. Um, the Blackhawks are in an ugly stretch and it probably doesn't get better because on Thursday night, they play the Boston Bruins, which is not a good matchup for them <laughs> ever. And with all the injuries they have, it's probably worse. So after that, you're looking at the New Jersey Devils who just fired their coach. So maybe that'll give the Hawks a little bit of a leg up, but then they come back home for one game against Arizona. Then it's on the road to Vegas, Arizona, and St. Louis, and then home to Minnesota and Colorado. I'm just looking at the schedule before Christmas, and, I mean, there, there's a few matchups there that seem favorable with the New Jersey one and Arizona maybe, but I don't know. I just 
do you guys have a reason to be optimistic about this team in the short term? Other than no. the fact that maybe just the market will correct itself and they'll win four or five after losing six of seven? No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, the, the problem the, the problem is they have to face Colorado again. They're gonna lose that game. Uh, yeah. they have to face Boston. They have to I was trying to glance Boston. over that one. They have to start with Boston. Uh, David Pasternak's probably gonna score a hat trick. Uh, Arizona isn't an easy, isn't an easy game at all because their goaltenders, like the Blackhawks, are going for Vezinas. Each of them, uh, Darcy Kemper especially. Uh, I don't know. Like, we, we projected that Jeremy Carlton is going to make it past Thanksgiving. If Jeremy Carlton makes it past Christmas, he will never get fired. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's good times, isn't it? Brandon, what about you? Seems like Festivus is going to be like a month-long thing. It might <laughs> turn into like a year-long thing. Well, this, this podcast is pretty much <laughs> just the airing of grievances, so... Feats of Strength is going to be holding on your lunch watching the Blackhawks play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, and you know what? Because I, we've, been, we've been effectively pessimistic because of what's been happening on the ice, now uh, the Blackhawks are going to win four or five. It's going to happen. I will say, like, the, the bright spots that I do see before um, Christmas, that game against New Jersey, the two games against Arizona, because you know everyone's going to cheer for every goal. Because it's probably a former Blackhawk or a current Blackhawk scoring it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we all have that to look forward to. Um, <laughs> and then they play Minnesota, so like maybe Minnesota comes back to life, and or like goes back down to life and go, go, is goes, what they're yeah, supposed to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was surprised that they were winning again, but I don't. Know. Uh, the problem with Minnesota is that another former Blackhawk is one of the best players because Ryan Hartman's having a great season. <laughs> oh God! I forgot. I forgot he existed. Don't worry. I, I think uh, so did the stars and everyone else. You guys remember when he got like, got traded and he was like off on a yeah. lake? <laughs> and now he's playing again. Now he found a system that works for him and is playing well. Do you think he'll be traded to the Jets this season? It seems like he's just trying to hit all the central teams. I'm hoping Colorado add some de- add, add more add even more depth to that team. Well, we we can we can only hope. I think. Well, I, I think that's going to do it for this first edition of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Shepard Price is here. He is at Shepard Price on Twitter. Brandon Kane was also here. He's at Brandon M. Kane. I'm your host, underscore Dave Melton on Twitter. Uh, follow along and probably come join us the group therapy sessions that we'll be watching Blackhawks hockey over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll just we'll be back at some point. I don't know. But uh, thanks, thanks for listening. And once again, for the love of God, go
Ta-ta-ta!